Welcome to the pod Well Travelled. I'm Moens Johansson and I'm filling in for our regular host, Will Yeoman, who's taking a well-earned holiday. I'm joined by travel and motoring editor Stephen Scowfield for a special edition of Travel Slash Motoring in the pod Well Travelled. Welcome, Stephen. Thanks, Mark. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, so... You've written a pretty interesting piece in this weekend's West Wheels. It's about the cost of fuel and how that's a major factor in drive holidays, especially now uh, the government's fuel excise rebate has come to an end. And, of course, with our vast distances here in the state, it's a, it's a very topical issue. Um, you reckon that motorists can save up to 25% in fuel? Yeah, for tell sure. tell me a little bit yeah, more about that. Yeah, for sure. That. Yeah, I mean... It's 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 a huge factor here in Western Australia, as I say, because as we as we're recording this, we're about to see you know the the prices shoot shoot up again, uh, and Australia wide, of course, as the Australian government um, excise you know rebate sort of relief comes off that, but it's the same throughout the world. I mean, you know, we'll be paying you know two dollars twenty, thirty, forty, whatever it is uh, here in here in Australia for fuel, but you know if you're touring. In Europe, you'll be paying, you know, more than that yeah, in euro. Absolutely. If you're in the UK, you'll be paying that in pounds, you know, plus. Yeah. So wherever you are, yeah, fuel is a, a major factor, of course. And um, there are ways to save it. Certainly, if you're, it becomes even more poignant, doesn't it? If you're camper vanning in New Zealand, or if you're towing a caravan behind a four-wheel drive here in. Western Australia, which has massive distances, you know, then fuel becomes a really significant cost in your holiday. That's why we're combining in this podcast, we're combining, you know, drive into into travel because that's what a lot of people do for their for their travel. Yeah, it links in perfectly, I think. But um, <clears throat> one of the things, I mean, regardless of whether you are, like you say, you're overseas or you're driving your own vehicle around Australia. One of the really simple things is the the four round things that we got under every car. Well, yeah, the tires tires are so crucial. Um, now we were just discussing this, and the point you brought up is worth talking about first. I think. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, um, I've recently I, I ride push bikes, and uh, I've got a road bike, and I've recently purchased a gravel bike, uh, which is a bit like like your SUV of, of the two-wheeled version of that. But um, the thing I noticed when I ride that on the road, because it's got you know wider tyres, knobbly tyres, there's a significant difference in, in the effort I put in to do the same speed, for example. Yeah. The bikes weigh the same. Yeah. But, uh, you know, just things like the the tyre choice definitely makes a difference. Yeah, and well, you've, we've jumped right into rolling resistance. And this is a, <laughs> this is a, it's a reasonably complex subject. But So let's start with tyres. Firstly, let's start with, with this choice of tyres. Um, so tyres have rolling resistance. So if you get two tyres and you put them on a ramp and you let them go, they will arrive at the bottom of the ramp at different speeds. This is to do with the compound, the, the amount of grip in the compound, silicon in the compound. That's why some tyres are grippier in the wet and others are, sort of feel harder you know, on the surface. But also to do with the tread, the cut. So um, rolling resistance is a really significant factor in fuel usage. 
because obviously, as you've experienced, if the tyres are, if you've got more tyre on the road or, you know, it's softer, for want of a better word, it'll grip the surface more. You know, your, those four tyres, and basically you, you could pretty much say that the, the touch of a tyre on the road, is, each tyre is pretty much the size of a credit card, you know. I mean, it supports the whole weight of the vehicle. So that's where your contact with the planet is, so it's crucial. Mm. Um, in fact, it's so crucial that in Europe they now rate tyres and rolling resistance. You get a label on the tyre which tells you how efficient it is, you know, how well it rolls on its own. Um, so it's very important. Look, about the team at Goodyear have done some fa- figures on this. They reckon 20% of the vehicle's fuel consumption um, is, is, goes into, is used by the tyre. So this efficiency of the tyre can be up to 20% of your wow. fuel usage is, is eaten just by this factor with the tyres. So obviously, you know, thinking about this, or at least knowing this, um, understanding, you know, say if, if I talk about this European system, there's five different classes. Between each class, there's about a point, point 0.1 of a litre, which is not a lot of fuel until you really add up, point 0.1 of a litre for every 100 kilometres driven between each of these five classes. So that's half, that's 0.5 of a litre mm. per 100 kilometres between the five classes. So, you know, thinking about that when you change tyres and buy tyres is, is a really significant factor. And then the other significant factor, which is kind of tip two, if you like, are tyre pressures, of course. And as, as you've experienced, the hard, you know, harder tyre um, will use less fuel because there's less resistance. A tyre underinflated by 10% increases fuel consumption by 2%. Yeah, that is amazing, isn't it? Well, it is. Yeah. I mean, we've got this half a percent potential in rolling resistance. We've got up to 10... You've got 10% for a 10%. So, you know, if your tyres are supposed to be 33 and they're at 30, you know, that is a 10% difference. Mm. Significant. Yeah. You know. So, and, and, many and, of us, and many of us are guilty of not checking at the tyre pressures all that often, aren't we? I, 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 someone said to me recently, well, how do you... Where do you check the tire pressures? And I said, Well, in, you just undo the little cap on the thing. And she goes, No, I mean, where do you go to do that? Mm. And I said, A service station. So that's someone who's never ever checked their tire pressures. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, the industry recognizes that, you know, I mean, you can easily be 20% under, you yeah. know, easily be 20, which is 4%, you know, in your fuel consumption. Um, temperatures affect tires for every five. Um, five degrees centigrade rise in temperature your tire inflates by two percent vice versa so if you inflate on a hot day mm. and you've got your tires all set on a hot day that'll be different on the first thing in the morning as well so you know really important to think about tire pressures and to understand all that so there's there's two really significant points there and we've already saved quite a lot of fuel mm. and i think you know one other thing that uh, to me is worth sort of thinking about is is uh, you know when you buy your tires obviously you know these rating systems are fantastic but i think here in australia you often see there's a bit of a temptation to to buy those you know off-road type tires 
and when you think about it, you know, yeah. it, the the amount of time yeah. most people actually spend sure. off road sure. is, is not well, significant. That's true. I mean, you know, a good strong tire certainly, and I think we've even, you know, the old thing was to have a three ply wall, and there's only like three tires that you can get the manufacturers that do that. But I think even for off road tires, um, as you say, you're still going to drive to the Kimberley before you mm. get to the Gib River Road, and you're going to do two and a half thousand kilometres on bitumen to get there and two and a half thousand back sort of thing. Um, There are intermediate tyres, there are all-terrain tyres which don't have such a heavy, knobbly cut. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And are quieter as well and will make a significant difference to your your fuel uses. Yeah. Absolutely right. And of course the last, another part of this is, is alignment. You know, we're now, we've been talking about this resistance, this rolling resistance, and we've been talking about temperature uh, temp, uh, pressures i should say but of course if if your tires aren't perfect if your wheels aren't perfectly aligned that's going to be scuffing as well that creates resistance too mm. so having your wheels aligned at least every year and if you hit a big pothole or you know you hit a curb and yeah there's a good chance in there's a good chance yeah there's a good chance so you know yeah. i think having you really concentrating on those things will help your fuel usage a lot there's a, you've mentioned in your story here that uh, you know there's quite a lot of other things that that you can you can actually physically do yourself you know as you're driving just your driving habits uh, maybe explain a few of the things that you, you yeah. consider that we can we can save some fuel yeah I've been talking doing. to um, you know advanced really advanced driving um, instructors are pr- uh, they're all confident to say that you can reduce fuel consumption by 25%, um, by up to or more than 25%, they all vary, just on your driving style. So, you know, the gentle right foot, I mean, it's these are human things, but it's, there's a light touch on the right foot on the accelerator, and just this practice of sort of backing off, backing off. So you're driving along down a highway, just try easing your foot off. You'll hear the edge come down, you're doing the same speed. Mm. Just take the pressure off. Just keep, just get used to this sort of taking the pressure off. Basically, you know, you want to be just really gentle, really smooth. It's all about momentum, keeping the thing going. I mean, the, the worst thing you can do is stop at a traffic light, accelerate up to speed, and then the next traffic... Don't start me on sinking traffic lights. <laughs> then you get to the next one, just as it's turning red. You go, well, how does that work? Why yeah. doesn't someone, particularly in Perth, why doesn't someone sync up some of these traffic lights? Because yeah. the waste of fuel, let alone time, is insane. I've yeah. just come down Leach Highway, four, four in a row. You get to the next one, turns red. You go, yeah. I'm doing the speed limit. Go to the next one, speed limit, turns red. Yeah, how does that work? So momentum is really important. You know, Once you've got the weight of a vehicle and you're looking at a modern vehicle with a lot of tech and a lot of wiring, which is heavy, a couple of tonnes, You've got it moving. The best thing you can do is keep it moving, right? You know, so momentum. Um, back off, and once you're up there, back off on the fuel. You know, just back off on the right foot, keep it smooth, and then I'll jump into the next point, which is anticipation. You know, reading the road ahead, seeing an obstacle. I mean, for goodness' sake, let people out. We're all on the same side here. Mm. Let people out. Don't try and box them in. You know. It is a bit of a bit of a unique oh, West Australian team it's sport. It's a perfect thing as well. You know, it's like, oh, look, that person's going to get stuck behind the bus. I'm moving here, and they can't come out. You go, mm. Really? Yeah. 
let the men, let's all move together and keep the whole thing moving as a team, right? You know, because that saves an enormous amount of fuel. So what do you think about this thing that, you know, most modern cars have this uh, where, you know, you arrive at the traffic lights, it immediately, immediately switches off the engine. Uh, you know, to me, yeah. I, I, I just can't see the sense in that all the time. I, I understand it, it's, it's a, a useful thing if you're parked for an extended period of time, but if you are just at a set of traffic light just waiting for it to, to change, you know, yeah. is it really necessary for it yeah. to... to Cut out yeah, and idling, start again. Idling is a really complex subject. Uh, I've actually I'm glad f- I raised it. Yeah, I'm glad you <laughs> raised it. It's a can of worms. Um, it's a complex subject, and I, I feel like I, lots of people have got very different views on this. On whether you know, as you say, whether you're if you're idling at the traffic lights, should the car be on or off? That's basically what we're talking about. As as we know, you know, most modern cars or lots of modern cars. Contemporary cars turn off, you know, turn off their sets, but they are programmed to do that and to restart. And there's quite a lot in the programming that allows them to restart economically. If you've got an older car, um, that's it's not quite the same, basically, because it will flood the cylinders with fuel to restart. Mm-hmm. So you're right in that, you know, if you're sitting there in a 10, 15, 20 year old car. You're for more than they reckon that 10 seconds seems to be a kind of break off time. That where if you're sitting there for 20 seconds, then maybe if you turned off, it would have just saved you a bit of fuel. Um, obviously, it reduces emissions, mm. um, but then starting up does take emissions. So, I, I think I'm feeling now, having got to the bottom of this, if you're in a car program to turn off and turn on again. That's obviously what the car's designed to do. If you're in an older car, I think you're better off just leaving it idling because you say some of them, having dug into it, some of them use a lot of a lot of fuel when they flood the cylinders to restart. Mm. So I, I think you're, you, you've got no net gain. Mm. So you can carry on doing whatever you're doing. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it is a, it's a difficult one to get to the bottom of, yes. Yeah. I mean, I tend to personally, my car's got the on-off... Uh, feature and uh you know i it, it you know it's a default position isn't yep. it so yep. i tend to if there's a lot of traffic lights with a lot of stop start sort of thing i tend to override it and and yeah and stop it unless unless there's really long waits at the yeah. traffic lights sure and, you know sure yeah yeah so look I, I think so if it's programmed for it go with it i mean probably that probably leads us into exhaust systems mm. um which will be obviously matched to the car, but um, and I'm not suggesting without, I'm not suggesting everyone run out and change their resource system. You know, it cost you thousand dollars or something. Um, but let me say this: that there are specific instances, and we're talking about older cars. You know, which need an exhaust replacement at some stage. That particularly, if I took um, the example of a turbo diesel four-wheel drive, uh, towing a caravan, you know, that a, a high-flow exhaust kit on a turbo with a, with a three-inch exhaust, if you're going to, when you need to, you know, change the exhaust because it's rusted out or, you know, you can hear it, it's got a hole in it somewhere. When you get to that point, there's no doubt that you can save, t- you know, you can improve your economy by 10% 
by moving to a high flow exhaust kit with three, three and a half, well, a three inch exhaust, you can get three and a half inch exhaust. This is because the, it, the flow allows the turbo to spool up quicker. Mm-hmm. So you'll get your power, you'll move into your torque much quicker. So it changes the whole power delivery, torque delivery. And it really does, particularly towing, will have a significant difference yeah. on fuel. Yeah. So obviously it's, there's not a cost benefit in doing that if you've got a perfectly good exhaust system. So towing things, and you know, when we go on holidays, we put things on the car, um, things like... Uh, aerodynamics and weight distribution and all those kind of things does is that something that uh, you need to sort of think yep. about as well yeah look it's all about moving weight isn't it? well it's resistance and moving weight moving weight takes fuel resistance uses fuel we've we kind of got our heads around that roof bars um create wind resistance for sure um you know the car top of tent is weight and resistance for sure um you know the drag from a roof rack can be easily be 10, 10% increased drag from on the car. Yeah, you know, yes. we've all seen the wind tunnel pictures of the car, you know. Mm. That's why cars all look kind of the same, if you like, wedge shape and the yeah. wind flows over them and then we we stick a rhubarb on the front of the roof rack on top. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. So, yes, those things do affect it. Um, I've just been helping a friend set up a very simple rig in his garage with a couple of um, four hooks, a couple of uh, four blocks in the ceiling, in the rafters, uh, to lift his car topper off, you know, his tent off very simply. So you basically hook it up, lift up one side, lift up the other side. He, as he said, I've got to undo four nuts. And you go, well, yeah. yeah big know, deal. Eight, eight <laughs> nuts, I should say. It was eight nuts, yeah. yeah. So, you know, just just think about those things. And weight in the car, you know, we all keep all sorts of stuff in the car that mm. um, we, we possibly don't need all the time, um, and some of it's weight. Um, yeah. This is, you know, I mean, the manufacturers know this. They went to lots of plastics, which are light. They went to space saver or no spare tyres. You know, mm. A lot of yeah. it's to do with space and weight, space as well. But, yeah, you know, try and save weight. Um, my vehicle, I actually take the back seat out because I don't use it. So I'm going to backseat in there. I've got Fair no friends anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> I've only got one friend and it's you. So, you know. <laughs> so I don't need a backseat. I don't need the backseat um, for that, no. Uh, but, yeah, think about weight. So, I mean, uh, other other things in modern cars, things like, uh, obviously, air conditioning is one. Uh, cruise control, for example, is another. <laughs> oh, no. uh, air, conditioning. <laughs> air conditioning. The air conditioning versus windows open debate is, yeah. is, all, is another bottomless cup. That one is yeah. fantastic. Um, yeah, air conditioners use fuel. You can, you, we all know this. You know, you, you turn the air conditioner off, and the engine revs increase. Um, anything that puts strain on the battery on the electric system, you know, increases revs. And yes, you're using more fuel. Um, there's always been this debate over whether it's more efficient to open the windows, or whether the drag caused by opening the windows, because that disrupts the airflow we've just been talking about. Mm. You know which is more efficient, um, and I think that it seems from everything I've found there, it seems that eighty kilometres an hour is the cut-off point. So if you've got your windows open up to eighty kilometres an hour, it's probably more efficient than running your air conditioner, unless it's a boiling hot day, of course. Mm. Mm. 
Um, and over that, the drag caused by the turbulence that comes in through the windows. Yeah. But then, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a body of thought. We're both kayakers, so we understand mm. eddies, that the wind coming in both windows is a, it becomes a forward motion anyway. Mm. Uh, honestly, it's, it's an endless discussion. <laughs> yeah. But um, certainly using your air conditioner uses fuel if you can just have the front vents on on a reasonable day instead of the actual air conditioner mm. that's better yeah yeah and what about uh, cruise control oh cruise control yeah well yeah cruise control um works cruise control works perfectly on a flat on a good flat road so on a highway but cruise control we, we just talked about anticipation Mm. Cruise control can't anticipate in the way that, that you can. So, you know, coming up a hill, it might shift down a gear. Yeah. Where you know that you could just about, you can just get there nicely and you'd nearly at the crest anyway. So you don't need to do that. No. You know, you'll just get there. We can anticipate. And it'll keep the power it. on until it's at the top of the hill. Then. It'll keep the power on until it's on the top of the hill. Yeah. Um, when you come over the crest of the hill, you know, we back off immediately because we know we're going to gather speed. Mm. The cruise control won't quite do that. So there are circumstances where um, cruise control will be less efficient than your ability to anticipate. Mm. Um, and I must say, I've just experienced this in one of the new um, four-wheel drives where the cruise control was just mad it was changing gears on a perfectly flat open road mm. which apparently is a recognized fault <laughs> okay according to toyota okay and the thing's just jumping through the gearbox and we go we're in the kimberley going along a big wide flat road and the car's say changing gears insane yeah, it doesn't make sense no. it doesn't make any sense um sort of side issue but basically um yeah cruise control on a constant flat road fantastic that'll work Apart from that, you may be better off with all these techniques we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. Now, so other, other little things, like you, you mentioned, uh, you know, sort of about planning your journey and, and planning when you use the car, maybe combine two trips into one and that sort of stuff. I mean, they're, they're kind of uh, perhaps things that are kind of common sense, but uh, in, in another way, it's probably something that we don't do. The convenience of just hopping in the car and getting going it sort of often makes well, you right. overlook those kind of things. That's right. Choice. The Australian um, Consumer Group Choice have done some work on this, and the Choice advisors reckon that cars can use up to 20% more fuel when the engine is cold. So, yes, if you've got... A couple of trips you can combine. I'll go off and do this and that, and actually think about the route. Um, I mean, we all rely on the navigators in our phones, which is fine, but we also have local knowledge. Mm. Think about the route. Should I go to this one first? Well, I know it's always busy down there in the morning, so you know, perhaps I'll do it at 11 o'clock because I, I don't have to do it in peak rush hour. Think about the time. Think about combining trips. You'll make an enormous difference in your fuel usage. And by not doing it separately and going through this 20% plus, you know, engine is cold period, um, that really helps as well. I think also just think about, um, re reassess your regular journeys. This is one of my kind of trips. I just, I just you know, we, we, we drive, a lot of us, we drive to work and back, you know, and you do the same thing all the time. 
if you, maybe you can adjust the time. Maybe try going 10 minutes earlier and seeing what a mm. difference it makes. Just that. I mean, I know that a route I regularly take, if you go 10, 15 minutes earlier in the morning, there's no one there. Yeah. yeah and then 15 minutes later, you just join in the queue. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. Yeah. So maybe you can adjust times. Maybe just reassess a slightly longer route might be better because it's smoother, there's less traffic lights, you know, it's a more efficient speed limit. Um, I just reassess this whole trip that I do quite regularly and there's quite a difference in fuel usage mm-hmm. between the two ways that I can go to this to this end point. Um, and I actually kind of counted traffic lights. I counted the, you know, the, the areas of 100 kilometres an hour or 60 or 50, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and the yeah. sort of, just because I, you just do it and you do it and you do it and you go, hold on a minute, let's think, am I doing this the best way? Mm, and I think yeah. with our big regular journeys, you know, if you go and look after the grandkids or you go down and see mum or whatever it is, just don't necessarily do it the same way, actually work out how much fuel you're using doing that. So there was just two more things I'd oh, like to touch count. on. Yeah, I, I know just, there's uh, 15 or up. <laughs> Thanks. But, but I mean, uh, I, I was just thinking, I mean, does, it, does the type of fuel they use, does that make any difference? You know, you can get the, the 90, yeah. 91 or the 95 or the 98 octane. Yeah, well, the driving group, the NRMA, um, advises that E10, which is generally, the, that's the cheap fuel that you'll see, the, the cheapest price that you'll see at the pump, um, contains around 3% less energy than uh, RON 91, which next one up, obviously. Mm. So, yeah, you know, fuels have different energy um, components, you know, or, or you know, contain different energy levels. So if your engines, particularly with, you know, small, efficient, finely tuned engines, are going to run spin better, with a slightly better fuel. So mm. be aware that there is that factor as well. I mean, most of us just go for the cheapest, least, you know, mm. yeah. efficient cheapest we can. Option. Yeah. But also between manufacturers, between suppliers, you know, there are actually different energy levels in fuel. Some fuels are cheaper for because they have less energy in them. Yeah. So, you know, think about that. If you're always buying your fuel from one spot or mainly buy it from one spot you know just see how much you generally get out of a tank mm. and you know and try perhaps just try a tank full of slightly better fuel and see if how much you get out of that do some math yeah 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 it's a good point and i guess uh, the very last uh, thing we should point uh, or point to is is maintenance of your car yeah i mean you know a, a blocked or a partially blocked gunked up air filter you know, I mean, all the things we've talked about, if your air filter's just full of... Red dust. Red dust and dust and rubbish. I mean, that's increasing your fuel consumption and you can't even see it. So, um, you know, and also fluids, you know, as we've said, you know, there's resistance in the, in the engine as well. So mm. fluids, filters, keeping a car running really smoothly and efficiently... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a kind of given, isn't it? So yeah, um, certainly that's important. If you think back through what we've just talked about with your gentle right foot, anticipation, you know, rolling resistance in your tyres, tyre pressures, air conditioner, navigating, choosing your routes, thinking about times. I mean, you can... 
I mean, anyone listening to this can see that there's there's twenty five percent for sure. Mm. If you yeah. did all of those things, they're all small incremental savings, but they add up to a lot. Yeah, yeah, no, all very good points, and uh, I'm sure it'll it'll uh, get lots of conversations started, and uh, hopefully also lead to some better driving habits. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows? You know, just like. If, if we, we're all on the same team here just trying to save fuel, reduce our emissions and, um, you know, get to wherever we're going safely. OK, thanks very much, Stephen. Uh, that's all for this edition of the Pod Well Travelled. But as always, you can find our stories in Saturday and Sunday's West Australian and online anytime at thewest.com.au forward slash travel or motoring. And you can also subscribe to our e-travel digital edition, which comes out every Wednesday. To subscribe to that, uh, you head to thewesttravelclub.com.au. It's free and you get unique content and first dib at any offers, trips or events we, we have at the West Travel Club. But thanks for joining us today and look forward to catching up with you again next week. Thanks, Miles.